Thanksgiving week. Come on and let's put your hands together and worship with us this morning.
house this morning. You can do better than that. He's so good. I want to share with you what Pastor Michelle said this morning to our servant leaders. She said, it's the will of the Father that we're thankful. We should be some of the most thankful people on the planet. Amen. Can you give God some praise in this house one more time? God, we thank you. We honor you. We worship you. You guys can be seated. And I just want to say a special welcome to all of our guests this morning, whether you're watching online or you're here with us in person. And again, we love when new people come to this house. Amen. Let's honor all our guests this morning, those in the room and online. Welcome. We're so glad that you're here. There's a few things we ask that you do. One of them being you can text D1 text to 84576 uh, with your smart device. You can also uh, scan the QR code on the screen. Or if you're still analog, you can grab the connect card from the seat back in front of you. Please fill that out with as much information as you don't mind us having. And then after service, you can do one of two things. You can take that connect card and drop it in the giving boxes as you exit. But what we ask that you do is that you'll come to our guest reception, meet some of our pastors and our leaders. We exchange that connect card for a gift. And we just want to say thank you for worshiping with us this morning. Can we, can we honor our guests one more time? So glad that they're here. And uh, this is the Thanksgiving season. I know some of you are so ready. You've already been deciding like who's gonna be cooking what because you know that matters. So uh, it's gonna be a great week of celebration. And with that being said, on the 22nd of this week, we will not be having any Wednesday night services. There'll be no services. We wanna uh, give you this, this chance to spend time with family and travel and do all the things. So please, uh, if you do come, just you'll be in the parking lot having a worship service by yourself. But we would just want to let you know about that. Also, we have a young adult Christmas party on December the 10th. It's going to be great. Uh, again, I just love that our church believes in the next generation. So if you're a young adult, if you don't mind, if you'll take your smart device out, scan that QR code on the screen. It's going to be at 5.30 p.m. There's going to be fun, fellowship, food, games, all the things. We want to invite you to be a part of that. And maybe you know some young adults that don't even go to our church. I invite you to, to invite them to be a part of this just because it's going to be a great time for all of our young people to be together. And uh, God is good. Amen. We always got some good things going on here at the church, and we want to thank you for some of the things that happened this weekend. But before we do that, can you honor Pastor Michelle as she comes to the stage and tells you more? Well, good morning, everybody. Hey, I have the privilege to tell you this morning that we helped to put food on the table of almost 90 families in this community because of your giving of gift cards and funds. Yes, that's right. So Thanksgiving will be awesome for them. We had that opportunity this Thursday, um, uh, the team and I, to be able to hand those out to those families and to be able to pray over them. And listen, they were so grateful and they were so thankful to be able to be a recipient of your compassion and your giving. So thank you, thank you, thank you. So this morning, I want to give us another opportunity. Yes, I'm putting my glasses on. So this morning, I want us to give us another opportunity that this house gets to bless the unfortunate. You know, last week, we had a representation from a Lifeline Adoption Agency and talking about foster care and adoption. And what he said was, not, not everyone is called to foster and not everyone is called to adopt. But what we all are called to do as his children, as his church, is to do something, right? Yes, amen. And so we, as this house, 
every year we have partnered with Fostering Hope. And what we do, if you're new to this um, church during this season, is we get Christmas lists from our fostering, our foster kids. And listen, these are from the Wiregrass um, area. So guess what? These are our kids. This is Houston County. So guess what? These are our kids, right? And this is what we're going to do to bless them. So we got their Christmas list. Because these kids, listen, they're kids just like everybody, all other kids, right? Except for they have been in circumstances beyond their control where they have been taken out of their home. Some with just the clothes on their back. Others had enough time just to put a few things in a garbage bag and leave. But either way, yes, they are moved to somewhere that's better and safe, but it's still trauma on these kids. And so our heart is to be able to bless them during Christmas season because we want those kids, and when I mean kids, from babies all the way up to our teenagers, to wake up Christmas morning and have something under that tree. Okay? And so we want to encourage you to look out there on the tree, and there is the ornaments right here. And what you'll see is you'll see the uh, sex, whether it's a boy or a girl, we weren't allowed to put names and their ages and with their list, um, that's that their wish list of what they would like for Christmas. And on the back, most of them have sizes uh, of their clothes if you want to do that. You will see their child's number and um, their social worker's letters, um, the initials, and all of the instructions come right there on the table for you um, to take if you take an ornament. I will share with you that we're going to be doing, like we do every year, um, a stocking fee. And what that is, let me explain that to you, is you are helping to provide a stocking with your child's name on it. Now, that might be like, well, why are you doing that, Pastor Michelle? What's the big deal? Let me share with you this. In the system, these kids are known for their number. That's all they are, are is a number. And we, as Dothan First, want to pitch in and get them a monogram stocking with their name because God sees them. And we want them to know that we see them too, that they have a name. If God knows every hair that's on their head, he knows their name. So just something special to add to that. And you can add something for their stocking if you want to in with your gift. We All the instructions, like I said, is on this paper right here. Unfortunately, we're not to wrap the gifts because we have to have them all where they can see them. And then the, um, the people at Fostering Hope will wrap them for us. But these are due back December 3rd. So I want to encourage you. Listen, I know we have some teenagers back there in, on some of these. Okay, so they're not asking for just like a little Polly Pocket doll or anything. They want, they want things like our normal kids like, right? So let me encourage you with this. Just like my family is going in with another family, we're going to be pitching in together to, for a child. So if you have a life group that you want to go in together, or if you have other family members that you guys want to go in together, I want to encourage you to do that. So let's cover these kids, our kids our Wiregrass area kids for this Christmas. And I just want to say thank you so much in advance. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Oh, thank you for your generosity. You're making a difference in this world. We get to do this together. We're literally reaching the world with the gospel message of Jesus Christ. 
And so this is the opportunity where we get to give unto the Lord. I know he's been so faithful over this past year. Over, over your lifetime, he's been faithful. But I j- just take a moment, think about this past year, how God has met your needs. Uh, some, some of you have had supernatural testimonies of how God has intercepted a need that you had and met it. And so today we want to celebrate that by giving because it's, it's our opportunity to say thank you to the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, so if you would simply, you can see on the screens the five ways to give. We're not going to pass the plate today, but you can give on your way out with those giving boxes. If you have envelopes and you want to get giving credit, you can do that. I know that we're coming up toward an end of the year. Some of you have been asking about that end of year giving. I know that uh, tax season comes after that. And so some of you are looking for uh, making sure that those tax credits are made available to you. And we're delighted to be able to provide that for you, uh, for your giving. Some your businesses uh, have been giving. And so you're wanting to make sure that the, the business somehow gets uh, the, the, the proper credit. Listen. We're here, we're here to simply sow seed into the kingdom of God, right? That's why we have what's called kingdom builders, right? That's our missions programs that, that reach literally the whole world. It's all of our missionaries. It's Speed the Light. It's Convoy of Hope. It's digging water wells. It's stopping human trafficking all through kingdom builders because we're building the kingdom of God by your giving. Let's take a moment of prayer over this time of giving. Lord, thank you for the opportunity that we get to give. Churches, you're obedient to the giving of tithes and offerings. God's word says, prove me now in this. See if I won't open up the windows of heaven and pour you out such a blessing. There won't be room enough to receive it. I proclaim financial increase on you and your households. We call for better jobs to those who need or desire them. I declare favor and breakthrough in court cases, settlements, inheritances, and estates that are justly yours. Lord, we pray unexpected monies, Lord, in places that we never dreamed. Uh, Lord, I, I ask also for the kinds of blessings that are not necessarily tangible or financial. Lord, over households and families. and. Uh, Lord, I pray that prodigal children would come home. I pray, Lord, there would be peace in homes. Lord, restore families in Jesus' name. Restore marriages. And let this be a household of faith where we take what you've given to us and then, Lord, we portion out that tithe that belongs to you and we give it as a a picture of the total amount. And we say, Lord, we speak a blessing because you speak a blessing. Thank you for that, Lord, and I speak blessing over these, your people, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'm going to invite your elders to go to their stations of prayer today, and they'll be stationed in the back by this prayer wall here, in the back by the prayer wall back here, and then up in the balcony. If you need prayer for any reason, we want you to know today is your day. You know, we believe in miracles. We believe in healing. We, do, we believe that God's word is true. And not only is his word true, but his power is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so we recognize that the same power that Jesus had when he was walking the earth and healing people is still available and accessible today when we pray in faith, believing, and using his word. And so today, your elders are there ready, and those prayer partners are there ready to receive you. If you have a need of any kind, 
we're believing for a supernatural touch from the Lord. Would you stand up with us? Let's go back into songs of worship, and you can slip out right now and receive prayer.
as I often do, but every song must and you never do. So I throw up my hands and praise you again and again, cause all
about you today, but when I think back over my life and I look back and see his faithfulness, see how good he's been, there's no other response we can have but hallelujah. There's a lot of words in our English vocabulary, but there's not many words that can really compare to how great he truly is. The only thing I can say is hallelujah, highest praise. He deserves the highest. No matter what circumstance you're in today, it may be the worst of circumstances. We all have a reason to be thankful because we have his love and his mercy and his grace. 
regardless of anything else he ever does, he'll always be worthy for what he's already done. So God, we pour out our praise on you today, Lord. We thank you, God. We thank you for all the times you brought us through. Lord, we thank you for the times you picked our feet up and set us on the rock. God, you dug us out of the pit, set our feet on higher ground. God, we'll never stop being thankful. We'll never stop being grateful. And you'll never stop being worthy of it. We love you and we give you all the glory today. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, anybody glad to be at church today? As you take your seats, go ahead and turn attention to the screens. Can you give God the highest praise you can give him right now? Come on. Hey, can you give it up for those watching online right now? Welcome. We're so glad that you're choosing to worship God with us here today. And we pray if you are watching and ever in this area, we pray you would come in and connect with us here at Dothan First. And listen, we want to make sure that you feel connected both to God and the people in this church, some of the greatest people in all the world right here at Dothan First. And those that are first-time guests joining with us in the building, can we give it up one more time for them? God bless you. Welcome. We're so glad that you're here. Go ahead, grab your copy of God's Word, if you would, please, and uh, say this to me. Say, I am what God's Word says I am. I can do what God's Word said I can do. I can become all that God said I could be. So today, I'll hear God's Word, I'll receive God's Word, and I'll obey God's Word because I love His Word. Now just turn to your neighbor and say, listen, this is going to be a really important message, so wake up, okay? Just tell them, just say, wake up, whatever you were, if you had a long night last night, if you stayed up late, listen, today 
I feel like that God has equipped me with the word to help propel you generationally, not just for your, for your own lifetime, but I believe what, what I'm about to share, if, if you put it into practice, it will actually perpetuate to generations beyond you and that you will see a return on your investment that will reap a hundred I believe the Bible talks about 30, 60, and 100 times that which has been sown. I believe this will be a hundredfold message if you'll listen and if you'll pay attention. Because this is, I'm going to talk to you about one of the few things that we cannot do in heaven. Out of all the purpose statements that we have, there's only one that really we cannot do in heaven. We're going to talk about it in just a moment. If you would, turn to one of the most used, looked at, and memorized passages in all the scriptures. Turn to John chapter 3. John chapter 3. We're talking about purpose matters, and today I'm going to talk to you about how to change the world. How to change the world. Let's just start with the premise right here that it begins with God, the Father, right? And, and, and recognizing his position. He is king and he has a kingdom. As a matter of fact, when he sent uh, the, the first man to the earth, he, he formed him out of the dust of the ground. The Bible said in Genesis, in the very beginning, that God created human beings in his image and his likeness. And then he said that we would have dominion. Over this realm, this address, for this season in time. And interestingly, if you look throughout scriptural history, really it's not just, as a, as a believer, it's not just that your life is to hurry up and die so you can get to heaven. Your life has an assignment here on this earth. As a matter of fact, that's, it starts out we were on the earth in Genesis and then you look at the book of Revelation, the Bible talks about a new heaven and a new what? A new earth. So he's talking about a kingdom and dominion over that kingdom. So today I want to talk to you a little bit about the significance of a kingship. And then he says that we are as his sons. Then we are rulers um, alongside him. We're princes and princesses. Okay. So, so that means, listen, husbands, if you... Look at your wife and just say, you are a princess. <laughs> this will be really good for your marriage. Okay. You're a prince. You're royal kids. The Bible calls you a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. Someone unique in the earth that has an assignment. He says, I'm not going to call you any longer just servants. I'm going to call you sons. Why? Because I invest information that I don't tell the servants, I'm talking to you as sons, as part of the family. God wanted a family, so he created us. And we're part of his family, sons and daughters. And we don't get that sonship by religion. We get it by relationship. We have access to the Father. We are his kids. Are you following this? Think about the way Jesus taught. Jesus taught kingdom all the time. He rarely actually mentions heaven or hell, although he speaks of those two places. But he often talks about kingdom. 
Matter of fact, when the disciples asked Jesus, how do we pray? We don't know how to pray. We see you go away, and clearly you're praying. We want to know how to pray. He says, it's easy. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy what? Thy kingdom. Thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Interesting, Jesus, when he's standing before Pilate, there's not a lot of dialogue uh, that Jesus gives in terms of answering questions. He doesn't outright answer many questions throughout the Bible. He gives a lot of uh, information, but he often, he, he asked about 300 questions in the New Testament. He only answered, most theologians would say he only answered directly three questions. But, but he's standing before Pilate. Now think about, I, I don't think you get the understanding of the Roman Empire at this time. It was vast, it was massive, and it had the greatest army at that time. It was conquering nations left and right. Almost all of the known world was under Roman rule. So I want you to think about the amazing power that was given to these dictators at this time. Now he's standing before Pilate, a significant leader in the Roman world at this time, Jesus stands before him and he has a conversation with Pilate and he says, I, matter of fact, there's a conversation about king, kingship. He, are you a king? He says, no, that's, that's what you say I am. So most people say I am because that's what I am. And then he, st- he starts in this little dialogue and he says, my kingdom is not of this world. Otherwise, I wouldn't even be standing before you because my, king, king, my kingdom is so big. He said, I have people come in and get me. He says, but I, I have a kingdom that is beyond this world. And, and it's amazing what happens as soon as Pilate hears about kingship and kingdoms, Pilate backs off. He, re, he knows t- uh, kingdom talk. He understands, Pilate understands kingdom talk. And so we have in in our church something called kingdom builders because we're not trying to build our kingdom. We're trying to build the kingdom of God through missions, through serving around the world, through our giving. We're reaching the world and we're building the kingdom of God. And here's the important part is that God has chosen you as his children to be his representatives on the earth, to be ambassadors of his love. We're in the world, the Bible says, but not of the world. We're citizens of a different kingdom. As a matter of fact, we we belong to a different kingdom. Philippians 3.20 says it like this. We're citizens of heaven, right? This place, friends, listen to me. This is so important. If you you miss everything else, if if you miss everything that I say, you need to at least get this. Friends, this place is not our home. This, our address, is our assignment. Acts chapter 1, the Bible says you'll be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And then the Bible said, and then you will be my witnesses. Where? Well, starting in Jerusalem, right where you live. 
your address. Just draw a circle around your house and start making concentric circles outside of your house to the neighbors and those in your community and, and those in this city and then those in this region and then those in the United States and then those in the world. This is our assignment. Our address is our assignment and our job if we're, proper, if we're going to properly represent the king's authority, right? Then we need to know what he has to say. If we're going to represent him well. And his message is very clear. John 3, 16. Let's look at it. And I uh, am choosing the NIV. And if you would, please, I'd like for all of us to read this out loud from the NIV. It's on the screens. Would you just clear your throat? Make sure you got a good speaking voice, all right? I'm going to start, and I, I'm going to drop out, but I want you to continue, okay? You're going to be my readers today. All right, turn to your neighbor and say, you're going to be a good reader today, all right? Here we go. You ready? I'm going to start it. You continue. Here it is. For God so loved, keep going. Believes in him, shall not perish, but have eternal life. We were kind of struggling there in the middle. I think some of you, some of you memorized it from the King James. Some of you memorized it from the New Living Translation. Some of you had, and so you just, your mind just stopped reading and started quoting. I get it. I just was curious to know how many had it memorized in a, in a different way. But it all says the very same thing. God loves the world, not just the church. Not just church people, not just people here at Dothan First. Yes, he loves you. Of course he does. You're his sons and you're his daughters. But he loves the whole world so much that he gave his one and only son. The last thing that Jesus said is before he ascended is he said that I want you to go and make disciples of all nations. Now, I want you to understand this word nations. It's in the Greek, it's the word ethnos. By the way, just uh, going back, we talked uh, briefly about translations, and people do get hung up at time on translations, but you do understand that all these English translations are just that. They're translations, right? There's the Greek, which is the New Testament, mostly written in Greek and in Aramaic, and then you've got the Hebrew from the Old Testament. So Old, New Testament, you've got Greek, Hebrew, and Aramaic all written. Uh, that's the original language. So if you want to go backward to study, you can use something called an inter interlinear Bible, and that gives you access to the, the proper language, okay? And oftentimes I do that. If you're, matter of fact, if you're looking for the truest word-for-word -word translation, the New American Standard Bible is the truest closest word-for-word -word translation, but my preference is typically the New Living Translation because it is one of the best for readability, thought-for-thought -thought translation, okay? So don't, don't get hung up on all that. Uh, you need to understand that there's a significance in understanding why there's even translations out there. Like, what does that mean? Okay, but let's go back to the original language. Go into all these places, Right? Preach the gospel. Make disciples of all nations. That word nations is the, the Greek word ethnos. That's where we get the word ethnicity. 
right? Now, when we think ethnicity, we think color of skin, or we think culture, or we think geographic location. But in reality, much of what he was describing here is all languages, native languages, the uniqueness of language that all might know the gospel message of Jesus Christ. How many understand? If I started speaking Swahili or Japanese, most of you would not get what I'm saying right now. Even if you had the same color skin as me, the same pigmentation, or you the same historical type background as me. Maybe you came from the same geographic location. But if I started speaking a different language, none of you or very few of you would understand it. Are you following this so far? So when we're talking about ethnos, we're, we're not speaking specifically just about a, a unique geographic spot. We're talking about speaking the language clearly so all can know Jesus is Lord. And he loves you with an everlasting love so much that he was willing to die for you. Are you following this? See, so, so I want you to get a different picture when it talks about all nations here. And I want you to start thinking about your sphere of influence because I've noticed that even within our culture, we, we have a unique, uh, diverse ethnic group in the United States of America, unlike, for example, Japan, where almost, I think it's 98% are, are Japanese that live in Japan and and. They're very specific in culturally what they do. We as United States citizens, we're citizens of the United States. We represent heaven, right? We're ambassadors, meaning we don't live in our citizenship, in our place of, uh, of origin, right? But we're, we're currently ambassadors on this earth. Now, follow this. There are those in this room that are doctors. And I promise you, those of you that have been to a doctor's office, they speak a different language than everybody else. Matter of fact, when you're sick, you got to like go up on WebMD and like figure out, figure out what was that dude saying? What was that doctor saying? I like, he said three or four words. I can't, not a clue what the test was or what the results were. He speaks, a, a, or she speaks a unique language. Lawyers. How many know lawyers speak a unique language. Come on, somebody, right? They speak a different language than everyone else. They've got legal terms. They speak legal ease. As a matter of fact, those of you who have to accept every time you download something and you have to hit accept, nobody reads all those things before you hit the accept button, or very few do, because you don't understand half of it. You're like, okay, I guess so. Click accept. You took away my children and my social security card. I don't know. I just want the download. Scientists speak a unique language. Even though they may speak English, they have a unique language about them. Engineers have a unique language. They speak a different language. Listen to me, friends. Listen, wherever your sphere of influence is, wherever you are currently working, whatever you say, nobody's a, nobody's a Christian in my job. I need to quit my job and find a place. Right? No, you are the pastor of that place. Why? Because you speak the language. Come on, somebody. You, some of you spent four years, six years, eight years in college just to learn the language of the business people you're around. Those of you that are in business or in finance or whatever, 
Friends, you have to understand, God called you to that community that speaks a unique language that you might be an ambassador. You are a citizen of heaven, but an ambassador at your address. I want you to get this. This is so important. God, if, if God's intention for us, friends, was just to hurry up and get to heaven, he'd have killed us all a long time ago. Matter of fact, I'll say it carefully, so don't mishear me. But he's so interested in not getting you into heaven that he paid on the cross for atonement, for healing, that you might stick around longer. Just so that your address could be your assignment because he loves the whole world. He loves the people in your city. He loves the people inside of your business world so much that he wants you to be an ambassador for him of his love and speak their language. So he provides healing that, that we might what? Waste more time? Buy boats, buy cars, go on vacation, retire, and fall asleep in front of the TV watching Matlock. Come on, somebody. You know God has more in store for you than what you're currently doing. God's got an assignment for your life. This ain't heaven. This is earth. This is our address, and our assignment is our address. And God's calling you to reach your assigned address. Whatever business community you happen to be connected to, whatever mom's group you happen to, moms speak a unique language. And dads don't know it. <laughs> Our job is to properly represent him, Jesus Christ. So how do we represent him? We're called to the ministry of reconciliation. We reconcile people back to God. We use our language, our voice, to reconcile people back to God by His Holy Spirit. Okay, what does that look like? Ministers of reconciliation. Okay, let's pretend that all of you were counselors in the room. Your crisis counselors, your, your marriage counselors, and a husband and a wife are at odds, and you know this is not looking good. It's heading door, uh, for divorce. And, and now they're sitting in front of you and you have the opportunity by your language, by the words you use, to actually reconcile this couple or to assist them in reconciling. They both have uh, their own free will to make a decision. Are they going to stay? Are they going to leave? Right? But you as a counselor now have the, both the authority and the education and the opportunity to bring healing or reconciliation to this couple. What are you going to do? What are you going to say? Okay, well, you start to ask questions right? As a counselor, you ask questions like, what's, well, tell me what's troubling you. And she begins by saying these things that really hurt her, bothered her, offended her, the way she's being treated or undervalued, whatever. You go to this man and, hey, so tell me, what is it? What's going on? What? And he begins to unload all the things, the feelings of insecurity because she treats me so poorly or uh, she treats everybody else nicer than she treats me or whatever it might be. She totally neglects me or whatever it might be. Now, it's your job. Now that you've asked questions and now you get two sides of the story now the point is to somehow turn their attention back toward each other and so it is in the body of Christ we've got to be much better at applying what we've learned and and use the language God's given us to return people's attention back to God 
using that love language that God gives us. Why? Because this world is so unloving. It's so rude and obnoxious and mean-spirited and hateful and unforgiving. And so in contrast to all the unloving, God says, I so loved the world that I gave. And then he says, now I want you to do the same. Give yourself away. Love people the way I called you to love. Be my ambassador of love at your address. Your address is your assignment. And I said this earlier that, uh, that the most important of all things that we can do on the earth is to love God and love people. I've taught a lot about that. And then I gave you the five purpose statements of how we can do that most effectively on the earth. And the answers were pretty clear. To, to know and love God is called worship. We need to, that's our first purpose on the earth is to know and love God. And then our second purpose is to connect to uh, the family of God. That's called fellowship. To grow up spiritually, that's called discipleship. To serve God by serving others, that's called ministry. And then to go and reach, here it is, lost people, which is evangelism. All four of those five purposes, the first four, we're going to do in heaven. Think about it. To worship God to fellowship with the saints, to disciple, to grow in our knowledge and understanding. He says, when we see him, we'll understand so much. And ministry, we're going to be able to minister to one another and to the Lord. The one thing we can't do in heaven is evangelize lost people because lost people won't be there. So then now our assignment is way more important, way more significant. The way we treat people is so much more important so how do we change our world? How can we change our world? Quickly, I'm going to review what I shared a couple of weeks ago. And that is, first of all, we got to pay attention to the needs of lost people around us. In our neighborhood, in the grocery store, with our family members. Mother Teresa said, a life not lived for others is, a life, is, is not a life. <laughs> and the reason we're often not loving enough is because we're, we're, we're not bad, we're just busy. We're not looking out for the needs of others. The second thing that I shared with you as we practice this lifestyle of love is don't be offended by unbelievers when they sin. I told you grace is messy. Love is unconditional. Jesus wasn't so offended by sinners that he kept them at, a, at an arm's length or at a distance. As a matter of fact, he hung out with prostitutes and sinners, drunkards and the corrupt people and immoral people. Why? Because he was trying to turn them back. Listen, just like the counselor analogy, turn their attention, right, to Father. Are you following this? Okay. Now, that doesn't mean we excuse sin or say that it's fine. No, sin is not okay. Okay? It's the difference between acceptance and approval. God doesn't, God accepts all of us, but he doesn't approve of everything we do. Are you following this? Same way with us. We represent him on the earth as his ambassador of love. 1 Peter 4, 8 says, love covers a multitude of sins. The Apostle Paul, I love this passage. It's not in your notes, but I want to share it briefly in 1 Corinthians 9. The Apostle Paul says, I become all things to all people that I might reach some. 
He says, if you're a Jew, I'm going to be like the Jews. I'm, I'm going to showcase the laws and I'm going to help you see that the law, you could never live up to that standard. God's the, the ultimate standard. And even if you kept all of the laws but one, then you've broken all of them. So therefore, you need Christ. Or to the Gentiles, those that are non-Jews, I want to help you find Jesus. And as a matter of fact, on Mars Hill, he has this dissertation in Acts 17 on Mars Hill. Not Mars, the, not, he didn't like, go up in a shuttle, okay, to Mars. I'm talking about Mars Hill, it's a location, okay? And he's speaking to these that don't know God. And he comes across a statue to an unknown God. They built this, they had so many different statues of so many different gods that they were worshiping. And finally, they, they couldn't think of any more names to come up with. And they carved out a statue and they made it, the Bible says, to an unknown God. <laughs> now, the Apostle Paul could have walked in there, I mean, fire and brimstone. You heathens, you hellions, I can't believe you would worship all these gods. You don't know what you're thinking. I don't know what you're thinking. And I don't know what, what you're doing, but it's absolutely against God. You're going to hell. But instead, he chooses to use the language, listen, of that culture and says, look, I noticed as walking by, there's this unknown God that you made a statue to. Let me tell you about the unknown God, the God of the heaven and the earth, the God overseeing all other gods, the Lord of all lords in heaven and on earth, the, the, the maker of all, the creator of all, the savior of all. Let me tell you, based on your language, are you following this? Be as shrewd as snakes and innocent as doves. The third thing I taught to you was don't expect unbelievers to act like believers until they are. Right, that's, that's putting the cart before the horse. We got to have change from the inside out, not just the outside in, right? And Jesus alone is the only one that can make that transformation. So if we're going to change the world, we've got to love the world that Jesus has placed us in and died for. Let's look at Matthew chapter 9 for just a moment. Interesting passage of scripture where the followers of Jesus come across this dude named Matthew. And Matthew is a tax collector for Rome, the most hated profession in all the Roman Empire. Why? Because these tax collectors were extortionists. They, they got the, the Roman information and then they said, you owe this amount, but they would pad the bill and Rome just said, well, whatever get, they give you above and, and beyond that, you can just have it. So they were wealthy, but they were robbing their own people. I want you to think about this. This is like an unscrupulous IRS agent that comes in and starts to seize property that doesn't belong to them. It's property you paid for. You don't owe it, but they took it anyway. Are you following this? How many think you might be a little ticked off if the IRS just showed up and took your house tomorrow, even though you've been paying on it for the last 30 years? Come on. Two of you. Yeah, that's good. Okay. <laughs> <clears throat> They're recording this right now for the government. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. They were corrupt. Tax collector, collectors were corrupt. Matthew chapter 9, verses 10 through 13. Let's look at it together. Later, Matthew invited Jesus and his disciple to his home as dinner guests. Now, that would have been fine if it was just them. It says, along with many, what? 
tax collectors, and other disreputable sinners. Uh, Some translations say notorious sinners. But when the Pharisees saw this, they were so happy that Jesus was making an impact in the lives of these corrupt people. They were were so glad that the Pharisees cheered and applauded Jesus. Is that what it says? No. It says, but when the Pharisees saw this, they were indignant and asked, why does your teacher eat with such scum? Everybody say scum. (laughs) When Jesus heard this, he said, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. Then he added, now go and learn the meaning of this scripture. I want you to show mercy. Everybody say show mercy. (laughs) Not offer sacrifices. For I have not come to call those who think they're righteous, but those who know that they're sinner. Listen, what he's saying is, in the message, uh, uh, it's not a true translation, but um, it's, it's an idea. It's a paraphrase. And it says, Jesus said, I'm here to invite outsiders, not coddle insiders. I like that. I didn't come to... For people that think that they're well, that think that they're okay. Matter of fact, those religious Pharisees thought that they were just fine. And, And Jesus often had dialogue about how they were not fine. They had kept all these laws, and yet they were so prideful. They had all this knowledge, but no wisdom. They had no application of the scriptures. And Jesus called them out time after time. Woe to you scribes and Pharisees, and then he calls them hypocrites. He says, you, you church people don't have it all together. And then he goes further and says, prostitutes and sinners are getting to heaven ahead of you. Why? Because they were believing in Jesus Christ and the message of the gospel. So these Pharisees, and it happens over and over again throughout the scriptures, these Pharisees can't understand why Jesus is getting cozy with crooks. And they accuse Jesus of being a party animal. It's true. You're the one that's always hanging out with the sinners going to the parties. Think, I want you to just think about this. This is Jesus, the Savior that we believe in and put our faith and confidence and trust in. He was a friend of sinners. Can you imagine notorious sinners, drunkards and gluttons? Why? Because he wasn't looking for the approval of the religious. He was looking out for the needs of the broken. And so you you can't walk around being offended by non-believers. You have to understand that they're unbelievers right now. (laughs) And then begin to show them the kind of love that brings them closer to Jesus. Luke chapter 7, Jesus gets really upset about this. And and he's frustrated because they keep calling him a party animal. I mean, in so many words. And in Luke chapter 7, verse 34, I want you to just take a peek at this for a moment. In Luke chapter 7, verse 34, Jesus is being compared or makes his own comparison to John the Baptist. He said, now, you don't like John the Baptist, and he didn't eat with sinners and tax collectors. He was out in the wilderness eating locusts and honey, right? Baptizing people. 
And you didn't like him, even though he was speaking the same message that I am speaking, Jesus said. He's like, you don't like him, you call him demon-possessed. Now, the Son of Man comes, here it is, Luke chapter 7, verse 34, the Son of Man, or Jesus, talking about himself, on the other hand, feasts and drinks, and you say he's a glutton and a drunkard, and a friend of tax collectors and other sinners. So the real criticism of Jesus is that he's effective at winning lost people. Lost people liked him, wanted to be around him. Non-Christians go running from you. (laughs) Pious or overzealous or for whatever reason, they don't feel any love from you. Sinners like to be around him. It wasn't because they felt comfortable in their sin. It was because they knew he had such love for them that they wanted to change. The problem is we attack and criticize sinners uh, before we ever consider befriending them and converting them. Jesus goes on to say in Luke 7, 35, the next verse, but wisdom is shown to be right in the lives of those who follow it. In other words, wisdom, he's using that in terms of witnessing. You're not being wise in your witness. You're giving them your knowledge first and you're showing them all these things, these nitpicky details. Take the log out of your own eye before you look for the speck in your neighbor's eye. Wisdom is learning about them and how you can love them and how God loves them. Knowledge is information, but wisdom is application. And the Pharisees had plenty of knowledge, but they weren't winning the lost. And many Christians don't know how to win the lost. I, I, I would submit to you that you have more biblical knowledge than you are currently applying in your witness. Many Christians don't know how to reach politicians. They don't know how to reach prostitutes. They don't know how to reach uh, someone in a homosexual lifestyle. They just got no clue. It's almost like elementary school. We're we're treating these that are away from God just like the religious treated lepers. Unclean! Run! Stay away! Right? It's like elementary school kids on the playground running from the girl saying, she's got cooties. And we're treating sinners and those who don't know the Lord and don't have the gospel and don't understand the love of Jesus Christ and don't understand the significance of the good news of Jesus Christ because no one's ever loved them enough to talk to them, get close to them, befriend them, tell them that God really cares and so do I. God changed me to love others. And God's saying, you're running like they've got cooties when I died for them. Just like I died for you. I want to give you a couple of quick steps and then I'm going to close out today. Worship team, you can come as we close, but I don't know that I'm closing. (laughs) I got to turn it to something fun because I've been pretty intense over this series in a good way. But I'm going to give you some really helpful steps to love people well. Let's just start with the easiest one I can think of. Regardless of background, if you want to change the world and win people to Jesus, friends, this this part's fun. 
First of all, why don't you just smile now and again? Doggone, I wish y'all could see your faces when I preach. It's just like, I mean, some of you look like you've been baptized in pickle juice three times over. I mean, you know, walking around with a sourpuss on your face, it's like your, your mouth is turned down because you're so used to frowning. People see you coming from a mile away and they run the other direction because you just don't look like you're any fun at all. Friends, God did not give you a smile for you because you rarely see it. He gave you a smile to give it away. Turn that frown upside down. Get some joy in your life. Do you have any hope in Jesus the Savior? Do you have any joy in your life? The joy of the Lord is your strength, man. Get some joy. It's one of the fruits of the Spirit. The fact that you spent time with Jesus should turn your frown upside down, man. Let people see you from a mile away and run to you because you just look like you're having fun. Another thing you can do. Don't simply be interested in yourselves. Be interested in others, genuinely interested in others. Philippians 2, 4, look out for one another's interests, not just your own. Here's the idea. Ask them about themselves. Themselves. What's your interests? What's your desires? How's your family? What about your hopes? What about your dreams? You think God might be able to intercept one of those moments about family dynamics or issues at home or the dreams that they have? Stop thinking about yourself so much and begin to think about them. When you have love for someone, you'll show interest in them. And when you show interest in them, you'll be proving that they have value in your eyes. People love talking about themselves. They do. You're so busy going through trying to memorize 30 scriptures to make sure that you're the right kind of witness. And you haven't even thought to use the same approach that Jesus used by asking questions. I'm not saying don't memorize scripture. You should know the word and you should have the word deep down in your heart. And God will bring it back to your remembrance when you need it. But first become a student of people. Because God loves them, you love them. And then listen. And then listen some more. And listen some more. As I said, nobody asked more questions than Jesus. 300 questions in the New Testament and only answered outright three questions. He gave us two ears and one mouth for a reason. We need to listen. Jesus even asked things of people that it seemed like the answer was obvious. Somebody's hollering out at Jesus and they're blind. <laughs> Finally, they get his attention and Jesus says, what would you like me to do for you? <laughs> He's asking questions that are obvious. He, he wants them to reveal their need for him. And if you listen, they'll begin to identify their own need for him. Stop constantly talking about yourself and, and talk about others. John 3, 16, God so loved the world that he gave. Think about Jesus with the, woman at the, with the woman at the well. I love this passage. So awesome. Societally, he was communicating with someone from the wrong religion, the wrong race, the wrong gender. It was all messed up. 
because they, they, they just did not have anything in common. And what does Jesus do? He starts becoming a student of this lady. He starts asking questions. He, he allows her to dialogue about worship. Can I, let me just tell you, if somebody started talking to me, a pastor of 30 years about worship, I bet you I'd be the one to tell them. I'll tell you where you're wrong. I've been in this my whole life. I've been to serve more services than you can shake a stick at. I know about worship. Don't be talking to me about your worship. I know worship. Jesus, the Messiah, knew about worship. And yet he let this woman just talk and talk and talk. And all of a sudden, eventually, he comes with this prophetic voice. Says, hey, just so you know, I know these things about you. And you say, she says, uh, you've been reading my social media posts. Uh, dog. You got some prophetic in you. All of a sudden, Jesus pinpoints her need. Listen, listen. After hearing and becoming a student of her, proving her value. Listen, she felt no value, no worth. Every person in their human need has a need to be heard and understood. And Jesus gave that to her as a gift. The kind of gift that no other man was giving at that time to her. And he pinpoints something in her. And then he basically commissions her to become the first New Testament evangelist and missionary. Because she goes back and begins to reach her city. Come meet a man that's known everything about me. Are you following this? Jesus reveals her purpose. And Christians, it feels as though we've been so busy hanging around each other and supporting our own causes. We've cornered the market on keeping to ourselves instead of winning the world. Friends, Jesus did not hide in a four-walled stained glass robe wearing him singing isolated church setting he went to reach the lost and by the way he wasn't hanging out with the sophisticated self-righteous high-minded immature insecure pharisees of the day either because he was too busy reaching lost people who knew they didn't have it all together Apparently, friend of sinners is a good reputation, according to Jesus. So how are we going to change the world? You're going to start right now where you're at, at your address, because your address is your assignment. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, today, purpose matters. And our purpose on the earth, why you've kept us here, is simply to reach those who are unreached. The people groups and the language groups and the geographic spaces and the different cultures and ethnicities that we might share with the nations the love of Jesus Christ. I pray that we would do that by learning how to love people well, to be citizens of the King and ambassadors of God. 
If you just keep your heads bowed and eyes closed for a moment, there may be some in this room. You say, Mark, I need Jesus to come into my life. I need to make him truly Lord and Savior of every area of my life. Friends, if you're living for yourself, then you can't be living for God. It's pure and simple. The gospel is clear that once we make a decision, a willful choice to submit our lives to Christ, that we belong to him, we're no longer our own. We've been bought with a price. So today my request would be that you simply acknowledge that need for the Lord Jesus Christ to be Lord of every area, not just a few areas. That he be Lord of all. And if he's not, then he's not Lord at all in you. So today, while heads are bowed and eyes are closed, I'm going to invite you to do this. If you'll just raise your hand and by that uplifted hand, indicating, Mark, I want you to include me in this closing prayer. Yeah, I want you to help, ask the Lord to help me to become what God's calling me to become. If you've never known the Lord, are you making a willful choice today for the first time? Or maybe it's a recommitment to the Lord Jesus Christ and his lordship. Or maybe today, this is the prodigal son coming home. Or maybe you just say, there's sin in my life that's separating me from God. Or there's areas of my heart that are still not completely given over to him. Whatever it is, right now, I'm not here to judge you. I'm not going to do anything crazy or weird with you. I'm going to invite you into this moment of prayer. If that's you, I want you to slip up your hand right now all over this place. Yes, God bless you. 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 Yeah. God bless you. About seven, eight hands. God bless you. Anyone else? Nine. Yes. God bless you. Anybody else? That's you today. God bless you. You can put your hands down. There are about 10 that said that and those watching online more that you can write in and let us know about it. In this moment, I want to pray over every believer in the house that knows the Lord, calls him Savior. If you call him Savior, you also have to call him Master and Lord. That means he's in charge, he's in control. That means he's the one that gives the direction and instruction and you follow it obediently. And so today, I'm going to pray over all of you first. That God would light a fire in you to become ambassadors. Lord Jesus, in this room, you, you know those of us as believers who have not taken our job, our assignment seriously by reaching the lost at any cost. And so, Lord, I pray we would take the position of the Apostle Paul that said that he would become all things to all men that some might know, that we would become all things to this city, that they might know Jesus. Help us, Jesus, to represent you well. Now I'm going to invite those that raised your hands Again, I want to pray a prayer, and I want you to pray this out loud after me, everyone in the room praying this prayer. Say this with me. Say, Lord Jesus, forgive me for my sins. I repent for all I've done wrong. I believe that you died and rose again for me. I make you Lord and Savior of my life. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for changing me. I choose to trust you with every area of my life. Now fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can you stand up all over this house? Put your hands together and celebrate the newest members of the family of God. Let's worship together. Come on.
blessing. And as I do, I, I really want it to be a commissioning that you would say from this day forward, especially over this holiday season where people are just needing some extra love. I know some of you in this room even, I don't know your personal situation, but I know some of you, you're getting ready to go sit around a holiday table. And for some of you, it ain't gonna be easy. Some of your family don't know Jesus. <laughs> they believe completely different from you. Matter of fact, you don't look forward to Thanksgiving at all. I mean, the best thing you got going for you is you think that the Lions might win on Thanksgiving Day. I mean, that's about it. all you get this holiday. For some of you, you're, you're grieving and that you know that this Thanksgiving, there'll be empty seats around the table where once someone was there. But I, I want to commission you as gospel carriers, as ambassadors, that you don't go representing yourself. You go representing a kingdom as a citizen of heaven. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance on you and bring you peace. And may the Lord, our God, write his name on your hearts and declare you're my child. No one can take you from my hand. May you know the love of your Savior that came and died for you and rescued you. And may you give that love away to as many as humanly possible. I bless you to be a blessing to your family and your friends and your co-workers and those within your sphere of influence. I bless you to bless those who are struggling and hurting, lost and broken and confused. I bless you to bless your family and those who don't really know Jesus. I bless you to have supernatural love like you've never had before. And I bless you to go and be an ambassador in Jesus' name. Amen. Did you get anything out of today? Hey, I pray you did. God bless you. We love you. We will see you, not this Wednesday, but we will definitely see you this coming Sunday. God bless you. You're dismissed. <laughs>